Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Michelle Leslie. And tonight is part one of two about a subject that every Christian seems to struggle with, at least from time to time, prayer. Yes. And on the surface, prayer seems pretty simple. Just talk to God, right? But when it's actually time to do it, there can be a million questions you might have. What should I pray about? How long should I pray? Do I have to say thee and thou? Eyes opened or closed? Do I have to be on my knees or on my face? Should I speak aloud or pray silently? You know, those are just some of the questions uh, that you might have, and those are nothing to be ashamed of. The disciples lived with Jesus. They heard him pray. They watched him pray. And they still had to ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. Yeah. You know, Amy, when I was a little girl, I remember one of my Sunday school teachers saying, prayer is just talking to God. And with all the complex, confusing, Mm -hmm. convoluted, and even conflicting resources out there today on prayer, that sounds rather simplistic to our adult ears, but it's still the best definition that I've ever heard. Prayer is indeed simply talking to God. And along with studying God's Word and being a faithful member of a local church, it's one of the three legs of that three-legged stool that we call sanctification or growth in Christ. Yet prayer is the leg that tends to be most neglected in our churches, our families, and in our personal walk with the Lord. Yeah, and I have to wonder, why is that? Why don't we want to sit down and just talk? No frills, no weird machinations, just talk to the most interesting, powerful, loving, and kind being in the universe. If you received an invitation to sit down and chat with the president or your favorite celebrity or a long-lost loved one, you'd jump at the chance, right? I would too. So what is it about our broken brains and hardened hearts that causes us to say, Nah, not today, to a simple monologue with our king. Those broken brains have learned some unbiblical things about prayer, and these hardened hearts of ours have some ungodly attitudes toward prayer. So let's take a look at some of those unbiblical attitudes and perspectives on prayer and how we can all think biblically about prayer instead. How about it, Michelle? Well, Amy, this first one is going to sting a little bit. I really think it's the foundational reason that we tend to have so many problems with prayer, and that's this. We don't need God enough. Yeah. Western Christians are, are pretty prosperous and self-sufficient people. We don't have to cry out to God to provide food so that we don't starve. We have jobs and grocery stores. We don't have to pray that we won't be arrested for reading our Bibles or going to church because that's not happening where we live yet. Uh, Except in the most dire of circumstances, we don't have to plead with God to heal. We have doctors and hospitals and medicine. I mean, don't get me wrong. Those are all tremendous blessings. But one of the pitfalls of being blessed is that we start trusting in the blessing rather than trusting in the blesser. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, we tend to pray less often and more superficially. Daily prayer is part of our battle to be dependent on God. And I I think as a result of not needing God enough is that we're not grateful to him for all the things he does for us. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It really drink in the depth of what that verse is saying. We spend so much time wondering, what is God's will for my life? 
And there it is, plain as day, give thanks in all circumstances. Being thankful is God's will for us. And it's not just being thankful when times are good. We're to be thankful when the world is crashing in on us, too. When you get a new car, when you catch your spouse cheating on you, or when you're on a glorious vacation, when you get laid off from work, when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're in the mood to be thankful, and when you're not in the mood to be thankful. And we should be thankful for all the big stuff God has done for us, like our salvation, our families, or maybe God miraculously healed you or protected you from danger, things like that. But we should thank him for all the little things, too, and and things that we take for granted. I mean, we thank God for the miracles, but what about the mundane? When was the last time you thanked God that you could see or hear or breathe or think clearly? That you have a roof over your head and you don't have to worry about where your next meal is coming from. That you have the freedom to own a Bible and go to church. And what about those little blessings and pleasantries in life? Amy, I'm thankful to God for air conditioning. I'm thankful for peanut butter and chocolate ice cream. I'm thankful for Sharpie markers and pizza delivery and toothpaste. What are some little things you're thankful for? Now, it has to be something small and fairly (laughs) inconsequential. Okay, I am very thankful for breaking an egg from one of my chicken girls and getting a double yolk in my pan. Mm -hmm. Very thankful when that happens. And uh, the smell of wooden matchsticks when you light Mm -hmm. them. Uh, Also for the little buds on the trees that I see in the spring reminds me of life. And for running water. Not everyone has this. And I think about that when I turn on my faucet sometimes and I just thank God about that. Yeah, those are all great things to thank God for. and, And we shouldn't take any of those things for granted. God's will for us in life and in our prayers is to give thanks in, not necessarily for, but in all circumstances. Yes. I think this next one is also really similar to that one. And that is, we are idolaters. That's hard to hear, right? But you know, the old saying is true. We do what we want to do. In other words, We spend our time and resources on the things we value most. So if you're a so-called type A personality, someone who tends to be overscheduled and overbusy, one reason you might neglect time in prayer is that you just don't want to take time out of your busy schedule to stop and do nothing but pray. And if you're one of those type B personalities, somebody who's more laid back, you might neglect time in prayer out of laziness or finding something more fun to do. In either case, you're demonstrating that you fundamentally don't want to pray, that you love something else way more than you love obeying God and spending time with him. That, ladies, is idolatry. Yeah. And another thing is, we don't trust God and his prescribed methods. When we're in need, when we want to commune with God, when we want to grow in holiness, God's way is for us to pray, not climb the highest mountain or offer some amazing sacrifice or fulfill a bunch of items on a checklist, but pray. But to our fleshly hearts, this just doesn't compute. It's, it's not enough. Um, we've got to conjure up our own efforts and do something worthy of God acting on our behalf. Our hearts don't trust God enough to simply take him at his word, bring all of our requests to him, and believe that he will take care of us. We don't pray because we don't trust God to follow through on his word. 
And another thing we need to remember is this. Fervency in prayer is qualitative, not quantitative. Sometimes we get it into our heads that being fervent in prayer means we have to constantly voice that prayer over and over in order to get God to give in and do what we want him to do. But God's provision isn't dependent on our prayers. He truly does know what we need before we ask him. In other words, you could stop praying right this minute for that thing you desperately want to have happen and never pray about it again. And God is not going to forget what you want or move it to a lower priority level on his prayer answering list or punish you by denying your request simply because you stopped praying about it. There are things God blesses us with that we've never spent a moment praying for. There are things we stop praying for that God finally gives us years later. And there are things we pray for him constantly for that God says no about. God is going to do what's best for you and what brings him the most glory. And that doesn't hinge on whether you pray about that specific thing every day or not. Fervency doesn't mean repetition. It means an intense trust and dependence on God to do what is right in his eyes in response to your prayer. Right. And we should also keep in mind that prayer isn't a letter to Santa Claus. You know, back in the Stone Age of my childhood, and Amy, maybe you remember this too, there used to be this little thing called the Sears catalog. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, we remember this. It was kind of like Amazon, but on paper. And every year, a few months before Christmas, they would publish their wish book edition that had all the toys in it. Mm -hmm. And my sister and I would go through that catalog with a magic marker and circle all the things. Things that we wanted for Christmas, and then hand it back to my parents, hoping that this year, this year, we would get everything that we asked for. And we asked for practically everything. I know. <laughs> you know, yeah, mine my, my never said just circle two things. No, it was we, we just grabbed the crayons <laughs> and circled everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Every page. <laughs> but if this is how you approach prayer, you're doing it wrong. God is not looking for you to provide him with a list of stuff that your greedy little heart desires so he can wrap it up in a bow and leave it under your tree. He's not a wish fulfillment center. Right. And when it comes to prayer, there's a lot of weird stuff too and unbiblical beliefs flying around out there that we need to avoid. For example, prayer is not a two-way conversation. Now, you might have grown up in a church, and and I came from a background where, yeah, it's a two-way conversation, but that's not the case, ladies. We talk to God through prayer, and He talks to us through His all-sufficient Word. Yes, while you're praying, the Holy Spirit may remind you of Scripture that's relevant to what you're praying about, or bring to mind someone you should pray for, or you might think of a way that you can help or bless someone, but prayer is not a dialogue. You don't say your piece and then sit there and wait for God to say something back to you. That's often called a listening prayer or contemplative prayer, and it's unbiblical. Likewise, soaking prayer, sozo prayer, etc., all of those things. In fact, we've got some research that we are going to put in our show notes today about uh, all of those types of prayer, uh, just in case you're curious. But if you see the word prayer uh, preceded by an adjective not found in Scripture— it's most likely not biblical. Right. And also unbiblical is the idea that prayer requires any special accessories. You don't need to draw a circle to stand in. You don't need to build a war room. You don't need to blow a shofar or stroke a prayer cloth or lay your hands on a prayer list or a picture or an object, etc. 
Scripture doesn't tell us to do any of those things, and many of them are patently unbiblical. And another thing, prayer is not about you doing something. It's about humbly beseeching God to do something. Nowhere in scripture does God say that the purpose of prayer is for us to assert any power over anything through our words. He does not give us the authority to bind Satan or demons or anything else or decree or declare anything as though we could make something happen by doing so. These are false and unbiblical teachings of the heretical word of faith and new apostolic reformation movements. Yes, and when you pray, be sure to watch your language too. Having a so-called private prayer language or speaking in tongues as it's practiced today has zero basis in Scripture, none. When the disciples point-blank asked Jesus to teach them to pray, there wasn't a single Honda Shanda in his instructions, and nothing in Scripture says your prayers will be more meaningful to you or more likely to be heard by God if they're in gibberish than if they're in your native real language. Speaking of, if you grew up in a so-called fundy or old school, as many of us have, and and I say that with the most endearing of terms, uh, you might feel like you have to use King James language when you pray. You really don't. If you want to use these and thous when you pray, sure, you can do that, but you don't have to. You can use the same vocabulary, uh, respectful and pure speech, of course, that you would use when talking to a friend or a loved one. And if you're tacking the phrase in Jesus's name onto your decreeing and declaring and binding and rebuking as some sort of way to harness the power of God into making your words a reality, you're actually taking God's name in vain because you're doing the exact same thing that witches and pagans do when they use incantations and cast spells. In Jesus' name isn't the Christian version of abracadabra. To pray in Jesus' name means to pray that what God wants, not what we want, will be done. And if you're saying it with that mindset, perfect. I will say that I often will end my prayer in Jesus' name for that reason. In my heart, it simply means your will be done or in Christ alone, not that I'm wielding his name to seal a deal or to make miracles happen. Right. It's, it isn't about getting what we want. It's about God getting what he wants. We tend to think of prayer as a means to an end that centers around us. I mean, it's, it's a time to tell God what we want and need and for him to fulfill those wants and needs. And that's that. But is that how God thinks about prayer? God tells us to come to him to present our requests to him, ask him for daily bread, forgiveness, give thanks to him, and a number of other things. But we also know that he is sovereign. He already knows what we need and what's best for us, and he does what he pleases. So if God knows better than we do what we need, and and if he's going to do whatever he wants anyway, why bother praying, right? Well, We say things like that because we think that the point of prayer is to get God to do what we want him to do, but it's not. The point of prayer is for God to get us to do what he wants us to do. He wants us to pray not because he needs a honey-do list, but because coming back to him time and time again in prayer teaches us to depend on him and trust him. It strengthens our understanding of his power and his sovereignty. It grows us in humility and submission. It conforms our will and our wants to his. It reminds us of our sin and the cross. It keeps us from taking God's blessings for granted as we thank and praise him. 
and it helps us to want what God wants more than what we want. Yeah, those are all some great things to learn and keep in our hearts and minds so that we will have a biblical orientation toward prayer. But what about actually doing prayer? How should we pray? Well, Jesus' disciples wondered that too. Lord, teach us to pray, they asked him. And Jesus graciously answered their request with what we now call the Lord's Prayer or the Model Prayer. Even after all these years, after hundreds of books and sermons on prayer, Jesus' simple teaching is still the best way to make sure that we're doing prayer right. When we submit the way that we pray to his instruction, we can be sure that we're praying in the way that he wants us to pray. So how can we follow the Lord's Prayer in our own prayer lives? Well, let's take a look. There's one version of the Lord's Prayer in Luke where Jesus teaches the disciples personally, and another expanded version in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13 in the Sermon on the Mount. That's the version we're going to be looking at today if you'd like to follow along in your Bible. Okay, let's take it from the top. Verse 9. Jesus starts off his instruction on prayer by saying, pray then like this. Now, that may not seem like a very important phrase. After all, it's not even in the body of the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually vital to our understanding of modeling our prayers after the Lord's Prayer. Notice that Jesus didn't say, repeat after me or recite these exact words. He said, pray like this. The NASB renders this phrase as, pray then in this way. The KJV says, after this manner, therefore pray. And the NIV has, this then is how you should pray. So what's the point? Well, Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer as an outline for prayer or as a sample prayer, not a specific set of words to recite every time you pray. While it's fine to sincerely pray and mean the exact words of the Lord's Prayer, we must guard against the vain repetition of empty phrases that Jesus had warned the disciples about just two verses earlier in this chapter. Mindlessly rattling off the words of the Lord's Prayer out of habit, or so you can check a prayer, check prayer off your daily to-do list, is not prayer. Instead, try using each phrase of the Lord's Prayer as a guide to how you should approach Him in prayer. Yeah, let's take that first phrase, for example. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Take some time to worship God and praise Him simply for who He is. Contemplate how high and holy He is and how lowly you and I are in comparison. Think about and thank Him for some of His attributes that we find in Scripture. His goodness, His justice, compassion, omnipotence, wrath, mercy, and grace. You might even want to sing a hymn or a song like, Holy, 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 or God is so good that focuses on God's holiness or um, some of His other attributes. Next is your kingdom come. Do you long for Christ to return? It's okay to tell him that and to take some time to focus on the joy that will be ours in eternity. Christ is coming back, hopefully today, to gather his people, weary of this sin-sick world, to himself. But remember, he will only be taking people who know him as Savior and Lord. Is there someone you need to share the gospel with? Someone you desperately desire to see saved? This is a great time to pray for that person and ask God to give you the opportunity and the right words to share with her. Next is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
In heaven, God is always glorified, always praised, and always obeyed. Wouldn't it be great if that that were the case here on earth? Well, it's not because of sin. Is there an area of obedience you're struggling with? Ask God to help you with it. Pray that God will help your children be obedient to you and to your husband. Pray that God will strengthen your husband's obedience to God in his areas of weakness. Pray that your loved ones, your boss, your elected officials will make the decisions God wants them to make. Ask God to guide your pastor, your elders, and church members, and pray that they will be obedient to his word and his leading. Give us this day our daily bread. Here, we recognize and thank God that he is our provider. Even the smallest things in life, like a simple loaf of bread, only come to us because God provides them. He wants us to put our trust in Him, not a paycheck, for our needs. A great passage to go along with this verse is Philippians 4, 6-7, through 7, which says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God doesn't want us to worry about the things that we need. He wants us to trust Him. When we take our needs to Him in prayer, we are declaring our trust in Him to take care of us in His way and His time. And that is where our peace comes from. Notice also the words this day and daily in this verse. They show us that prayer is an all-day, everyday affair. God wants us to keep coming back to Him in prayer time and time again. It helps us to recognize our dependence on Him. These words also help us to focus our prayers on what we need today. It's okay to pray about future events, but sometimes focusing on future what-ifs can tempt us to worry. And as Jesus says later in Matthew 6, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. All right, repentance time. Did you notice that this verse, verse 12, is the culmination of a sentence that began in the previous verse, verse 11? Well, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Repentance for our sin and asking God to forgive us is also an all-day, everyday affair. But praise God, so is His mercy to forgive. Lamentations three twenty-two and 23 remind us this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Take this time to confess your sin and ask God to cleanse you and forgive you. And be sure to ask Him how to show you any bitterness that you might be harboring in your heart against someone. Forgive that person and ask God to help you make things right with her. Consider the magnitude of your sin against God. If God has forgiven you of your sin against Him, who are you to hold a grudge against someone else who has sinned against you? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Sin, it's always lurking around, just waiting to ensnare us again, isn't it? Think about the sins that you struggle with. Ask God to show you if there are any changes you can make in your life to stay away from temptation to those sins. Pray that He will strengthen you to be obedient to Him when you can't avoid tempting circumstances. And ask Him to show you the godly way out of every situation which He has promised to provide. Pray for God's protection from evil people or circumstances and ask Him to protect your family and your church. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The King James Version includes this phrase at the end of the Lord's Prayer, but it isn't in the earliest and most reliable biblical manuscripts from which modern versions such as the ESV, uh, which we've been reading from, are translated. But since its meaning and intent is thoroughly supported by other scriptures, there's certainly no harm in including it as part of the model for your prayer time. Acknowledge and thank God for his sovereignty over all things, his power, his glory, and his eternality. Ask him to help you live in such a way that others will see those attributes. Ask him to help you live in such a way that others will see these attributes of his. Submit yourself to Christ and pray that God will help you follow him humbly and honorably. Yeah. Ultimately, prayer is not about what we want God to do for us. It's about what he wants to do in us. Yes. Jesus' desire is that we stay in constant communion with him in prayer, humbly honoring him, praising him, thanking him, repenting of sin, and depending on him for our every need. So bow your head and close your eyes and make that daily time communing with the Lord your highest priority. And that's going to wrap things up for part one of our two-part series on prayer. Be sure to join us next time for more biblical and practical aspects of prayer. And as we close out, we just want to say a big thank you to two listeners who both left us a five-star review and some very encouraging comments on Apple Podcasts. Tom Tom 85 Tom, that's quite a name there. Uh, Tom Tom 85 Tom says, I have learned so much from these ladies. They are solid and they always give biblical reasoning for their beliefs. I would recommend the show to any Christian. I believe it will encourage you and help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And Deborah says, I am grateful to have found this podcast. Amy and Michelle are so pleasant to listen to, and to hear such soundness and discernment is such a blessing in my growth in Christ. Wow. Thank you both for your kind words of encouragement. It's so humbling to hear those. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for leaving us those five-star reviews and encouraging comments wherever you listen to A Word Fitly Spoken. You can find direct links to many of the podcast platforms that carry A Word Fitly Spoken on the homepage of our website, awordfitlyspoken.life, plus lots of other great resources for sharing the gospel, supporting us via PayPal or Patreon, or booking us to speak at your next women's event. And until next time, say your prayers and walk worthy. Walk worthy.